Greetings, heroes, and thank you for answering the Summoner's Call. Presented by the Gamers Inn, this is a podcast for all fans of Fire Emblem Heroes and the Fire Emblem franchise. I'm your host, Ryan Murphy, and joining me today is my co-host, Eddie. How's it going, Eddie? Not too bad. I had quite a week going on this week. Yeah? Busy, busy, or just busy? Uh, partially busy, but also we got some uh, Brave Heroes in this week. Yes, it was a flurry of summoning at the Murphy household as I, as I, you know, tried to get as many of these new brave heroes. And uh, before we jump into what we've been summoning, we've got, here's what's on tap, you know, right now. We've got the weekly revival banner for heroes with link skills going to the 26th, Pirate's Pride going to the 7th of September, and a new future going to the 8th. And there might be and another we do one. We have in there. that Festival of Hushido revival going on for was, yeah. another was... thirteen days. So exactly. So some 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 solid banners, but really the one we're we're all we're we're going to talk about and focus on today is the fact that uh, we have our CYL four heroes. And as always, Eddie, I want to start with you because you've got a good chunk of change here to talk about. Yeah. Um, so of course, yeah, I dove in. Uh, obviously. Uh, the plan was to spark once and see where I was and decide from there. Uh, so I started in and got pity broken fairly early on by Fiora. It was new to me, so for all the pity breaks it, you know, I got, it could have been worse. Um, I kept going, and um, as I showed Discord earlier today, meant to show it earlier in the week, but um, I got Brave Edelgard and Brave Lysithia on the same ring, so that was nice. I decided to keep pulling full rings, one to minimize the number of orbs I use, and two for a chance at a merge uh, for either of them, clear out that bane or flaw. Uh, and on my way to my first spark, I got a random Selkie and a Quan, uh, a couple more blue drops. I seem to have gotten quite a few blue drops in here. Uh, and I ended up using the first spark to grab, grab Brave Claude. I decided to go for one more spark to see if I could get a merge or, you know, use my free summon, end up using my free guaranteed summon for a merge, and ended up getting a Brave Dimitri about halfway there, around 60 summons in. I decided to finish out the spark, and on the way I got a male Byleth in Julian, uh, who was also new to me. I didn't get him on his banner a couple weeks ago. Uh, At right about 70 or 75 orbs, I can't remember which one it was. Uh, so I was debating on whether I was going to go past the spark and try and reset my summon rate. And female Byla showed up and told me in no uncertain terms that that was happening because uh, she ended up being my 80, 80th summon. So right on the last one I needed to get that second spark. I got pity broken by a female Byleth. Uh So I have my free summon and second spark to use still. Uh, probably going to get a spare Dimitri and Edelgard, clear out their flaws. Uh, and then this morning I hopped on the uh, Festival in Hoshido banner and ended up getting a Larcy off of the free summon there. Nice. Yep. Not too shabby. So you got a good, mm-hmm. good collection going. Yep. Good. Well, for me, uh, I, I did want to jump in and get all the CYL4 heroes. And I had about 300 orbs to do it. And I will say I exhausted my my uh, my collection of orbs. Now I got... I think Dim- I was around 300 when I started as well. Yeah. And did you go through you, you go through your orbs? I have about 20 left and probably some, you know, I think I'm at 27. And I think 
some of those are from getting orbs over the past couple days. So, yeah. yeah, pretty much exhausted it. Yeah, I mean, this is a good banner to do it. I mean, these are these are highly sought after characters. They're you know the, you know they're the newest. Well, the Ashen Wolves are the newest, and and I guess the the book. Anyways, I'm getting technical here, but they are some of the newer he- Fire Emblem heroes, and they're quite popular. And I I wanted all of them. Uh, I usually try to get all the brave heroes when they when they arrive. Some of us have good luck. Some of us have uh, Eddie luck. I think it was last year you struggled, was it not? I I remember it being. Um, last year I don't think I summoned much. I think it was the year before that I probably spent near six hundred orbs, at least three hundred, if not more, and got nothing. And I'm not even sure. It might have been pity breaks, but I got none of the four. Yeah. So it's I think strange. last year I didn't try very hard. Well, you're you're here now, and you you've you've come so far. You've got all four and and some, but uh, yeah. You know, I, from I was going to bring this up later. That's oh. one of the reasons I love the spark system, especially the way they did it on this banner. Hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The spark system. I I know. I think I talked about it before. I, I I've utilized it once. And it very much is a great luck protection feature that should have been in the game from the get-go, but I understand there, you know, it was something added late to kind of keep players around. Um, but I I I think expanding it to four times, you to be able to be used four times with this specific banner is also mm-hmm. a very neat feature and shows that IS is willing to willing to and able to play around with the idea of spark being more flexible as a bonus or a perk uh for certain yeah like i said like a couple years ago i think i spent way more money and probably at least 600 orbs and didn't get anyone where if the spark system had been there i would have had all five all four of them Mm -hmm. uh but speaking of all four of the heroes did you manage to get any or all four of them you were starting to tell us before yeah. it distracted well, us no no no, it's fine i think the spark systems we're talking about and if, because of it i was able to get all four um i got dimitri pretty quick uh which was probably in the first couple rings and then i uh summoned a regular edelgard which i did not, ha- not have already so my edelgard emblem was well on its way i just need one more so whenever you're ready is just let me know and uh i got uh on my first spark i picked up cyl4 edelgard so i i got a free neutral edelgard and i mean we'll come back to that in a little bit um now this left you know obviously colorless and red to focus on so i got clawed on a summon close to the next spark and then i chose lysithia as my free five star summon offer so i didn't get her on the spark i just went to the free summon and was like gonna call it there kind of thing now uh thinking back I st- so I still have my spark left. Obviously, I can only use that spark to get anyone but Edelgard because it limits you. You can't just choose yep. the same hero again. Um, I know there's going to be some min-maxers out there that, that hear this this tale and probably wonder, like, oh, well, if you you know just waited and got your five-star spark for Lysithia, then you would have had the four-star summon to choose whoever you wanted. So if you knew you wanted to merge Edelgard or... I don't know. I, I haven't really thought much about it, but I, I know I've kind of I've limited my options in the sense that I won't be able to merge an Edelgard. But mm-hmm. uh, I like your idea of removing flaws in a way so I can look at my Dimitri and my Claude to see if either of those A are yeah, worth. I mean, yeah. 
I, yeah, I haven't used the free summon, the guaranteed free summon, so I could easily uh, double up a claw. But I mean, um, from what I saw, like because of the way Edelgard is set up, I can uh, the plus resistance boon or asset that I have on her is actually pretty decent. So if I just remove that flaw, you know, that makes her even more powerful. Mm-hmm. Uh, and Dimitri, I think I got a plus attack one, so removing his flaw would be nice. Yeah. yeah. And I mean, you can't so. you can't just get a you you can't throw the new um dragon fruit or whatever it's called at it cuz that that will just allow you to change it to neutral if you wanted to completely remove its flaw. So, if you uh, was that going to be an option? Uh, what do you mean? Could you not it, use it the... Might, it, might, it might be an option. I don't know if you can set it to neutral. I thought I th- you could just change the flaws. You can make someone who doesn't have a flaw get one. Oh. Or acid and flaw. Uh, well, but you know... Neutral I... might be an option. I don't know. I, I thought I... it was. Um, I remember I remember looking... I'm just pulling up the, the article from from before. Yeah, so, so normalized. Um, okay, yep. So, so but, yeah, but then again, I I haven't. Uh, obviously, we haven't gotten this in our hands yet. Uh, it's not it's not out until it looks like the new version update, probably. Yep, early September. Yeah. yeah. So, but but judging by the 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 screenshot they provided, like there's asset and flaw, but then there's normalized at the bottom, which might allow you to set it to neutral and uh, or it looks that way. So logically, normalized should be true neutral or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know. So you could do that, but again, like if you have a good, even if you don't have a a, a good uh, um, boon, well, now I forget what the actual uh, IS term is. It's asset. Asset. Thank you. So if it had a good, if it didn't even have a good asset, you could change it so it had a good asset, and you could have removed the flaw through the merge. So it really, and again, we're not min maxers. It really depends if like you really like this character. And you want yeah. and you want to use them like because they're really solid, you know, strength characters. But yeah, I um, I'm kind of holding on to that that spark. I know I can't, I shouldn't hold on to it for long because the banner's not going to be here forever. But um, I was I think the banner's about a month or you know three weeks or something like that mm-hmm. as normal banners are. Yeah, I but, I might so uh, early September obviously. Yeah, right there in the list. September eighth. <laughs> It's all good. Uh, yeah. Well, I mean, like I said, I can I can choose anybody but Edelgard. I'll, I'll have to look at my my assets and my flaws and see if anyone needs a needs a merge in that side of things. But you know, I'm not a min maxer, and we'll see if Edelgard ends up, you know, being, you know, replacing legendary Edelgard, who's in my you know my top four, my go to team. So we'll see. We shall so, see. Quick, quick side question: Did you hmm. get yourself up to the spark before you chose Lysithia, or did you, um? Grab Lysithia because you weren't sure if you were going to spend the orbs to get to that second spark. Well, I, okay, this is going to reveal. This is going to reveal how I probably messed up here. So I went in, and it was one of those instances where, like, oh, I don't need twenty orbs to make this summon. I'll just do it on nineteen. Sure enough, when I did it on nineteen, I got the five star. So then I was like, oh well, I got to complete the ring so I can get my spark. I couldn't complete the ring, obviously, because I was short one orb, and there was there were orbs available. I could have done the arena, I could have done whatever, mm-hmm. but I was like, when I play in the morning, I'm kind of like doing the auto battle while I'm kind of getting everyone's breakfast ready, and uh, I I went in there and it's like, ah oh, man, I forgot. So I made I made a rookie mistake where I was like, 
I had I have literally one more summon to get the spark. That one more summon was one orb, but I was like, screw it. I just want all four heroes because I don't know how busy I'm going to be this week. So I went and did the five star free summon. So yeah, I I, I could have gotten the spark on that mode before using the five star free summon. I did wait until the very end to use the uh, the free five star. I mean, not yeah. not a great min maxer as you can tell. <laughs> so. Have you spent the five orbs to get that spark yet or no? No, I haven't. Not yet. So you could also opt to, you know, you reset your pity rate. I mean, it, you can opt not to spend the five orbs. Oh, I'm, I'm going to. Like, I'm not going to leave it hanging. logical to not spend it. But. Yeah. <laughs> I'm not going to leave it yeah. hanging. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get in there and, and take care of that. It, it was more a case of, you know, if you had that spark just sitting there, it was kind of foolish to grab Lysithia with the free summon, but that situation, I mean, makes kind of sense. Instead of waiting five days until you got enough orbs up to do that one summon you needed, or waiting until you got a full 20 orbs to do a full ring. Yeah, I'll be honest. Sense to just go ahead and grab. It, it was a brain there. fart. It was one of those things where I'm sitting there like, yeah, I'm just going to do this. And and it was one of those things where I I... I looked back. I almost, I actually almost bought one of those uh, limited orb packs. The um, the ones you can buy twice. Orbs. Yeah, which is a steal, right? And I might, I might look at buying not a steal, obviously, because I got to give them money. But it's a good value. And I was thinking, oh, maybe I'll just buy this now and 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 just fix the rush to mistake I had before. But I decided not to. And I'm kind of thinking like I should have paid for my mistake and had the extra orbs for whatever came next. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it was it was and me you, totally. Yellow summons have their places. One could argue that during a spark banner, when you're on the last ring for a spark, probably not the place to yellow. Yeah, well, but to each their own. No, it was a mistake. Mm-hmm. I, I will fully own up to that, and uh, it is it is a. It's not even a rookie mistake. It's it's one of those mistakes that a lot of people can make. It's just it shouldn't be made. I, I mm-hmm. felt pretty foolish after it, but I mean, no harm, no foul. I I got I got everything I wanted. Um, and I've been playing around with the new heroes and kind of putting them through their paces and they do obviously very well because they're quite strong and and, yeah to to quote the age-old saying that suddenly has new meaning this year hindsight is 2020 I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing seeing as how 2020 has gone but you know well hopefully uh yeah hindsight is 2020 yeah well hopefully it gets better from here and I don't know if that helps the saying or not but 2020 will be a 2020 is going to be a year where I think everyone looks back and like, oh, well, that phrase is ruined. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, speaking of the future, what do we got going on? Yes. Uh, well, Ryan uh, has a birthday for his daughter next week uh, and is taking the whole week off to spend some time with her. Uh, and so we will not have an episode next week. So we got two weeks of events coming up. Uh, run until the 5th of September. We have a double special heroes banner starting up in a couple days on the 24th. A new Hall of Forms, uh, which I meant to double check who was in it, but I forgot. But that's starting here in a couple days because we got the heads up about it and know who's in it now. Uh, we got the Heroes with Ruse skills replacing the Link skills banner on the 26th. We have a Bound Hero Battle Revival of the Sigurd and... Uh, Luin battle on the 27th. The voting gauntlet login bonus uh, starting on the 28th. Uh, was there a banner coming with that one too, or did it not say? Uh, I can't remember. 
For the voting gauntlet. Uh, you know yeah, what? either way, we do have the legendary hero battle and banner starting up on the 31st. Uh, on the 1st of September, we have the voting gauntlet itself starting. Uh, lost A new round of Lost Lore Spoils starting on the 2nd of September. Uh, re- re- a revival of the Kempf Grand Hero Battle on the 2nd of September as well. As well as, or in on the 3rd, we have a Heroes with Dual Skills banner coming in. Yeah, I don't, I don't see the uh, the Voting Gauntlet banner. Maybe it's tied to the so, Double Hero, Double Special Heroes event. Might be on. tied to the Double Special Heroes. Might be tied to the Brave Heroes. Who knows? Either way, that's not one that is, at, at least that they're telling us, receiving a banner. Mm-hmm. Well, let's uh, let's head on into the bulk of the show, which is going to be talking about our new Choose Your Legend for heroes, and they have arrived. We've had a chance to summon on these popular choices from the world of Fodlin. While Teach is nowhere to be found, all three house lords are here in their master class garb, plus Claude g- uh, gets some backup with Lysithia. Um, and we will kick things off, Eddie, if you're ready, Dimitri, the King of yes. Fargus. After a brutal war in Fodlin, Dimitri overcame the demons haunting him and seeks to atone for his failures and previous behavior as the King of Fargus, which in his world has united the continent, entire continent of Fodlin behind him. That version of Dimitri joins us here as a blue infantry lance unit in this uh, brave banner. He wields the Moon Gradivus, which gives him built-in disencounter and gives him a special boost of plus one per foe's attack whether or not the attack damages him, so it still gives it that if the damage attack does zero damage. Uh, he comes with a unique skill called Blue Lion Rule, where if his defense is greater than his foe's defense, it reduces damage from attacks during combat and AoE specials, excluding Rooker specials, by the difference in their defenses times four, up to a max of 40%. Uh, additionally, it also guarantees him a follow-up attack if he initiates the combat. He also comes with a Tier 4 version. Uh, this is a new skill, a new Tier 4 version of the Attack Defense Bond skill line called Attack Defense Unity, which grants him a boost to attack and defense equal to 5, plus 2 times any penalty on that stat, with each stat calculated ind- independently, if he is within 2 spaces of an ally. Uh, the example they gave in, they give on the um, skill is if he has a negative 7 on a stat, it'll give him a plus 19, which would be 5 plus the 14. That would be 2 times two times 7 to give him a total of a plus 12 on that skill. Um, he also comes with Joint Hone Attack and Noontime as his additional other skills. Nice. Um, and uh I will say this, he so here's here's the thing, his art looks superb and very much mm-hmm. as you described, a a man who has survived the what appear what I experienced in my playthrough of Three Houses on the Crimson Flower playthrough. He has survived whatever whatever dark things he was going through right and and they yep. very much Although on the to crimson that. flower playthrough he doesn't lose an eye he doesn't pretty sure in crimson flowers he hadn't lost an eye oh you know what i don't remember that much but he loses an eye in his playthrough is that oh is his eye yep. evil is that a spoiler 
No, okay. just <laughs> what happens in the five year gap? He loses an eye during his during the Blue Lion storyline. I don't think he loses the eye in either of the other two playthroughs. I could be wrong. Yeah, here's the thing. As I was going through forging bonds, I'm I'm kind of thinking I need to go back and rethink my second house playthrough and and do I should do blue blue lions uh is kind of where I'm coming at cuz I I I feel like what what they're te- what they're teasing or at least laying down in in the forging bonds sounds mm-hmm. interesting and I kind of want to know more and it feels to me like it's kind of the opposite experience to what i did in three houses by going with siding with edelgard or are the, i guess you could argue the siding with the church is the opposite of of edelgard's playthrough i don't know i i haven't done them all i haven't really looked into them because i i kind of want the option t- to go through them at some that, point that's one thing about the three houses is that each playthrough except maybe the church playthrough is different uh, I think that I've heard the church playthrough is very similar to the Golden Deer playthrough. Okay. Uh, I think there are some differences, but similar. So each playthrough, different things truly do happen. Yeah. You know? Like, minor spoilers for early in the time jump is like, Dimitri gets captured and is thought to be dead. And during his escape is when he lost his eye. Is this the but blue in the lions? Others, he doesn't. Yeah, that's the blue lions. Oh, okay. The other playthroughs, I don't think he gets captured. You know, yeah, maybe in the Golden Deer, he, you know, he either disappeared or got captured. But well, know, he seems to have come a long way um, from his yeah. sort of brooding moments in my experience with Three Houses. But I, yeah, I my, thought my remembrance from the Crimson Flower is that he never got captured, and he's ruling. Fargus opposing Edelgard during it, the time, you know. Yeah, and he is not a happy camper. Like very upset with everything going on. And and who can blame him, really? Like but he almost feels like he's kind of he's slipped from madness and and that's why when I look at this character it's like this isn't the Dimitri I know. And I'm and if if this is where the the Blue Lions playthrough leads, I kind of want to experience and I know you did Blue Lions. I yeah. kind of want to experience that. So, yeah, I mean you can argue whether the turn is justified, but he does go through a turn halfway through the Blue Lions playthrough that gets him to where you see him in this version. Mm-hmm. Cool. Where he can talk with Leaf in his forging bonds and admit his flaws and you know calmly plan to atone for, do his best to atone for what he has done wrong in the past. Sounds like he did some stuff too, which is... Uh... Interesting. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so I, I mean, it, it's on the list. Add it to the list. It could be a game club. Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, uh, down get, the road. Gonna have to figure out which one we're doing for the game club when we get there. Yeah, and I have some ideas could to help us months, choose. You know. Hmm. Yep. So we will. Uh, something you and I need to talk about offline, but uh, listeners will know sooner rather than later. Maybe, possibly. Uh, yep, let's. That was... <laughs> it's Sorry. ominous. I know. Uh, I was more saying that was kind of half the point of doing uh, whatever we're doing. Ash and Wolves storyline. Yeah. Cinder Shadows is that one, it gets us back in a bit and gets us, gets those extra characters into whatever playthrough we do. But I figure after this, we'll do the 10 or so chapter 
uh, Fire Emblem Blazing Blade intro and then jump over to a full playthrough of Three Houses. Yeah. We'll discuss the exact details offline, like Ryan said. We'll figure it out, and we will let everybody know. But uh, let's talk about Lysithia, the earnest seeker. Upon summoning into Asker, Lysithia's first mission was to find the library, trying to absorb as much knowledge as she can to make the most out of life. Sounds exhilarating. Uh, Also quite capable of resurrecting two-year-old unresolved plot points. Yay! (laughs) Uh, We'll talk about that in a bit. Lysithia is a... Yeah, we will. We will in a bit because I know it's. I already know it's something we're going to focus on because it was uh, the forging bonds for these characters. Bonds, yeah, were were very uh, plentiful, and and we'll uh, we'll we'll come to that. Uh, Lysithia is a red tome infantry unit wielding dark spikes T, which is effective against cavalry foes. Grants speed plus three, and at the start of combat, if foes HP is greater than or equal to seventy five percent, grants attack. Slash speed plus six during combat. If unit's uh, HP is less than 100% and unit initiates combat, unit makes a guaranteed follow-up attack before foe can counterattack. She doesn't have any new skills, but does boast two tier four skills. Her kit is completed with special uh, Moonbow as a special attack slash speed push four in the A slot, lull speed slash resistance three in the B slot, and home speed sorry hone speed four in the C slot. How does that sound to you? Sound good? It's a decent kit, yeah. Yeah. And now, like, like I said in the, like we've said in the past, you know, it always seems like two of them have utterly insane kits, and two of them have really good, but not as insane kits. And yeah, she she's got a good kit, really good kit, but definitely nowhere near as insane as Dimitri and Edelgard. Yeah. Oh, we will get to Edelgard in a bit, yeah. but um. Uh, we we I think we talked about her art a little bit last week. Her art's really cool, yes. looks great. But the core thing that was very interesting this week in in uh, CYL four history was this forging bonds with Lysithia, where yes. Fiorm talks about the uh, the right of ice, the right of frost, or whatever. Right and, of frost, yep. yeah. Where where her and she. Compare, she allows or she tries to help Lysithia by sort of comparing her situation, which again I didn't know because I hadn't played through Golden Deer or at least got that far. And that Lysithia, having oh, now correct Lysithia me if I'm is, wrong, she I has think, two yeah. crests, which shortens yes. her lifespan. Is that correct? Correct. Um, she was told, and it's not sure if it's true or not, but she was told that uh, whatever experiments were done on her, and I thought this was revealed in. Um, uh, conversations, and if you never recruited her, you wouldn't have gotten them. I don't know if it was a Golden Deer specific storyline um, that her life would be shorter, much shorter than someone with one crest. It's also why she has white hair. Right. So, and Edelgard also has white hair, so she has yes, two crests it, as well? Or? Edelgard also has two crests. Okay. See, so, these, these are the things I should I think, know, but... Aelgard is Crest of Saros and Crest of Flames. Lysithia, I don't remember what her two crests were. Um, Gloucester, I think, was the second one. Uh, the same one, because she, she can much better use her uh, the wand that Lorenz gets. Uh, she can use that to much better skill. So. Okay. You know, um, but... 
that is what she was told. And yeah, so Fjorm, who performed the Rite of Frost, which she was told would kill her, um, you know, discusses how in the time since it every day she wakes up, she sees that as a gift and aims to live her life as, you know, happily as she can. So that if tomorrow is the one that she doesn't wake up, then she has no regrets about how she lived it. You know, whereas Lysithia's response is do as much as she can to change as much as she can as fast as she can before her time runs out. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, it's a, it's a rather, again, it's interesting that they... I guess, like, the parallels between their situations almost was like if they hadn't tried to pull in that... It was almost too... It was too easy. For, not easy, but it was too much. Like, we can't ignore this any longer. We have to address it. And, I mean, they also... I don't know how far you got in the Forging Bonds, but... Spoiler for Forging Bonds a little bit. They get they get to the point with Lysithia's Forging Bonds that Lysithia teams up with other mages of similar... Um, like loots in there, like other similar mindsets, and they say like we're gonna figure this out, Fiorm, and we're gonna we're gonna help you get your life back. <laughs> I was just like, if this is how they resolve it, and you know, Fiorm was just such a popular character that they just keep her around in the background, of course, but she's still persisted um, mm-hmm. through these through these forging bonds and other auxiliary books and or auxiliary stories. So maybe the yeah. maybe it took them two years, but this is their sort of like. Yeah, we figured it out. <laughs> She's okay. I, yeah, I guess I didn't get to that one, that section of it, or if I did, I somehow forgot it. Um, to me, it kind of felt like the warning about the Rider Frost is to discourage foolish use of it. And maybe even if whatever gives you that power for the Rite of Frost, deems your cause unworthy, it kills you. But if you're worthy and, you know, desperate enough to use it, it doesn't actually kill you? I mean, to a degree, you could argue everyone's under the same axe that both Lysithia and Fjorma. I mean, without a specific time frame, like, you will die within one year of casting this spell. Or you will die within one year of having two crests. You know, anyone can die tomorrow. hmm You know, they don't know it's coming. And as Fjorm has shown, she doesn't know when the spell's going to take her life. For all she knows, she would have died at that point anyway. You know, or something would have killed her. So, it's kind of a situation of, you know, either the spell doesn't actually kill you, and they say that just to warrant, make sure you use it correctly, or don't use it frivolously. Or maybe it act, the spell actually judges you, and if it judges your cause worthy and just, it doesn't kill you. Who knows? Yeah. They didn't actually explain that. Maybe yeah. they will in a future Forging Bonds with what they set up there. Yeah. Maybe they'll they'll come out with another hero that allows us to 
revisited that storyline, but I, I thought it was nice that they, they touched on it. And yeah, it's uh, nice that they actually discussed it. Mm. Yeah. It's like, Hey, you were supposed to be dying within months. Why are you still here? Because she's popular. You know, she's if a, not within days, you know, it's one of the cool kids. Uh, speaking of cool kids, what about Edelgard? She's cool, right? <laughs> cool sure. Like we'll Edelgard. go with that. After successfully uniting Fodlin under the rule of the Adrestian Empire, Empress Edelgard has been summoned, summoned as a brave hero. Uh, as an armored green axe unit, she wields the Flower Hook Claire, which boosts her special, and if she has more than 25% health, gives her the gra- armored boots and ground orders bonuses. Uh, so essentially she can move an extra space, or also she can move adjacent to any ally within two spaces of her. So theoretically she can move up to four spaces, you know. If there's an ally within two spaces worth to the far side of that ally. Uh, at the start of combat, um, this is still part of the weapon that also at the start of combat, if she meets the 25% health threshold, uh, she debuffs her foe uh, by six points to their attack and defense. So she also comes with a unique skill called Black Eagle Rule, which if she has more than 25% health, she makes a guaranteed follow-up attack. In the, if the foe initiates the combat, their follow-up attacks are reduced by 80% of dam- the damage they would normally cause. Uh, and it explains that a follow-up attack would be um, the third and fourth attack if they have a brave weapon and double on her, uh, the second attack if they have a normal weapon. She also has another new Tier 4 skill in the Drive Resistance line called Joint Drive Resistance, which has, uh, which, which will, uh, when an ally is within two spaces of her during combat, whether it's her combat or their combat, it'll grant resistance plus four to the unit that is in combat. Uh, so essentially it affects her and allies within two spaces of her, giving them, them plus four to res during combat. Uh, she also comes with Distant Ward, uh, which grants her distant uh, blah, 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 blah. speaking. I promise I'll learn it one of these years. Okay, fine. I'm not making promises like that. But <laughs> not anymore, anyways. Distance Ward is the one that grants her uh, distant counter against uh, resistance-based attackers, uh, magic, staff, or dragonstone foes uh, in noontime as her special. So sweet. So I may have said last week she had built-in disencounter, but I was misremembering. It was Dimitri who has the built-in disencounter, but she does have the distant ward, which gives her disencounter in certain space, certain situations. Yeah, and I mean so. she's a beast, right? It, it really sounds like she's oh, yeah. the winner of this uh, of this banner, and you know, uh, I'll, I'm digging the shield. I think her shield looks so cool, like the double-headed eagle and uh, all that fun stuff. Like mm-hmm. she is, they really went, they went all out with her, with her art. You know, uh, I think they really captured mm-hmm. Edelgard. And uh, you, I think someone in Discord was talking about her forging bond being very good. Was that you or was that someone else? I remember seeing um, the message pop up. Oh, that was me because she talks to Lissa. No. <laughs> You know what? I should have saw that coming because I remember 
she she had some really long, solid conversations with Lissa about uh, she was essentially going around awkwardly, kind of not awkwardly, just like unforgivably saying like, hey, I want to talk to everyone who has like a power bestowed upon them by the gods and ask them, what's the deal? Why are you mm-hmm. so special? That sort of thing. And Yeah, I mean, like Lissa, um, I don't know if Lissa comes back. If it does, it makes her forging bonds even better. But her first chat with Lissa is talking about the fact that, you know, Lissa doesn't have the mark that her brother and sister have, mm-hmm. uh, you know, and how does she feel about that? And she's like, you know, and just, you know, she talks to Lissa. So it was and, the best forging bonds, in my opinion. She talks to Lissa again. I, and I can't believe I didn't see that coming. And, uh, and you know, what? it's very fitting because, you know, like you said, she talks to Lissa because she doesn't have the brand. And... Mm-hmm. I thought it was I thought it was a really good touch. I think she talks to one other character in between her return to talking to Lissa. There's an off-screen conversation supposedly between her Om and Celica. I don't believe that happens, okay. but uh it, it's again a solid uh forging bonds and I mean the forging bonds are made even more interesting because it starts off with the fact that hey, let's all be cool. You know, and let's avoid mm-hmm. our our past selves because we don't want to give them any ideas about. Yeah, uh, the first joint conversation was interesting because it was all the past selves discussing the fact that the future selves are there, mm-hmm. and Edelgard's of the same mindset as future Edelgard is, where it's like it doesn't change what I'm gonna do. So, yeah, yeah. it's kind of wild. I mean, but to get versions of all these characters after they've been successful. At least mm-hmm. that's how it sounds in their conversations. And for them to be so cool. Like, I remember Crimson Flower, like, Edelgard fighting Dimitri in that final battle. Like, they are they are not happy with each other. And Dimitri especially is not happy. So, like, you get the sense there's some tension in these conversations, but not to the point where, okay, I haven't played the other two paths, but you'd think they'd have a little bit more. Like, I... I I, mean, I think they could have done more with that, you know? Claude would have no tensions with anyone. Because Claude was never contentious with any of the others. He was fighting Edelgard to free um, Rhea. But he wasn't in fighting because he wanted to fight her or because he hated her. Mm-hmm. Dimitri, you know, especially in this Crimson Flower route, hates her with a passion. And before his change, his whole goal is to kill her, and he hates her with a passion. But after his reconciling, even in his route, he doesn't hate her anymore. Uh, I think I mentioned this when I was playing through. He even, before the final battle, has a, or one of the final battles, has a meeting with her. And understand, sort of understands where she's coming from, but cannot you know, agree to it and reconcile with it or accept it. And he is going to do what he deems right, you know, to for the future of Bodlin. Mm-hmm. So in the Blue Lions, he is not antagonistic towards her anymore okay. at the end of that storyline. Okay. So maybe, so, yeah, I haven't played them all. And I guess, uh, you know, Edelgard, from what I remember, she's not too broken up about it like she's she's mm-hmm. almost upset that dimitri is so far gone and that she has yeah. to do what she has yeah, to do in, in the crimson flower he is really far gone as mm-hmm. was raya but yeah yeah yes they were uh so i mean that's really 
it's great that um it's great that they played around with that like they definitely kept like she's still very much interested even after conquering Fodlan, she's still very interested in in these powers that are bestowed upon the gods and like she mm-hmm. she's realizing that oh this isn't just unique to our world this is a fire emblem trope obviously she doesn't mm-hmm. say fire emblem but you know this is a trope of these many universes that are similar to hers connected by asker and i don't think it changes her she, she, i don't think it changes her mood or her idea of what she wanted to do but it it definitely opens her mind a little bit like cracking the door nothing crazy just cracking the door yeah this is kind of going kind of sort of deep into soilers but her thing was never specifically hatred of the gods and goddesses she in my what it felt like to me is that she was always wanting humans to stand for themselves and stuff like crests to not be as important. You know, like she wanted a merit-based world mm-hmm. and went about it in possibly one of the worst ways. But she felt that as long as, you know, godlike beings like the goddess and, you know, the religion still existed, uh, that humans could never rise on their own, rise to their full potential on their own. Yeah. So mm-hmm. she was never super antagonistic towards gods and goddesses. She just felt that she wanted the way Fodlin was the church ruled, controlled too much, and the church did place corrupted, poorly thought out values right yeah the church propped up people with people with crests and and uh kept yeah. kept those down i mean yeah no that makes sense um let's let's talk about the final hero on the cyl banner which is claude elmira's king claude's goal was to bring about a world where people of all origins and positions in society could live in harmony claude himself is a symbol of unity bringing fodlin and elmira together He's wearing the armor of the Wyvern Riders of Elmira, a kingdom to the east of Fodlin. The CYL version of Claude is a colorless bow flyer wielding Wind Parthia. Accelerates special trigger, cooldown count minus one. Effective against flying foes, of course the bow. If unit initiates combat or if unit is within two spaces of an ally, grants attack slash speed slash defense slash resistance plus five during combat. And if unit also deals damage to foe using a special, Restores 50% of unit's maximum HP and triggers even if zero damage is dealt. Which, wouldn't it just heal zero? I don't know why that's important. No, no. 50% of his max HP. Oh, 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 oh. I read that Not wrong. Not the damage dealt, but yeah. his max HP. No matter Good how catch. much damage he does or doesn't do. Glad so that some... is a nice heavy health. Yes. Self-health boost. Yes. Okay, no, yeah, I see what I did there. See what I did wrong. No, that is that is awesome. Uh, he has a new skill in the C slot called Attack Slash Speed Rain 3, which inflicts Attack Slash Speed minus 4 on foes within two spaces during combat. Rounding out his kit is uh, Moonbow as a special, Fury Foe in the A slot, and Chill Speed Slash Defense 2 in the B slot. So as Eddie said, uh, that that weapon skill is pretty awesome, especially if you're looking to keep Claude at full health. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's in fact 
I'd have to double check, but I'm pretty sure Moonbow's a two uh, count reset. Yep, cooldown on two, so he can pop that pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. He is the trickster. Yeah. Uh, I will say this. Weakest of the forging bonds, in my opinion, it was kind of weird. It's just him going around <laughs> talking to evil tricksters. I'm not sure I'd say weakest, but it'd be one of the funnest... Uh, what I've gotten to so far is one of the funnest of the forging bones. It's it's the I guess it's it's the weakest in that like the other ones felt more lore heavy, and this one's just you're right. It is the most fun where he's running around talking to these other tr- evil tricksters. He talks to Iago. He talks to Narcian. Um, yeah, I've only seen the Narcian one so far, and it's just you can almost feel Claude's like, hmm, that makes sense, but it's horrible, so I wouldn't do that. <laughs> You know, it's like he's taking what they're saying and, you know, not pissing them off. But it almost feels like he realizes, yeah, that's not the good way. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It, you, you get that early on and, and, you know, Claude, he would never do the things they're suggesting. Mm-hmm. But um, all the bad guys are just like, yeah, do all this terrible stuff and you'll be fine. And he's like, OK, OK. Like, I'm, but, I feel like Claude's going to take the good out of their thoughts and plan would take the good out of their thoughts and plans and not do the evil stuff because there's like some sound logic behind them like the first thing narcian says kind of has a sound logic and then narcian gets into just step over your minions and make sure you have minions to throw the blame at and stuff like that you know it's like i think claude would take like oh that first part was really actually not a bad idea, but you know, using it to abuse and you know, batter people is not the best way to use do that. So, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah. It, it. I mean, you. you I think uh, if I remember how it ended, it's basically you talk to one bad, final bad guy, and he's like, "You're not going to use this stuff." Like, I can tell you're not going to use this stuff. Like, uh, you don't have the guts. And he's like, well, it's not about guts. It's about caring for your people. And uh, you guys are terrible. Um, bye-bye. I think he he kind of <laughs> leaves it as, he kind of leaves it as, like, I'm learning this stuff so I know what the evil people who think like me are going to do. Like, so he can be a better mm-hmm. ruler. And yeah. it works. But, I mean, we obviously knew that a mile away because yeah, we know Claude. I think that was kind of what I was saying, and I haven't finished his either. I've done enough to get the four things in one or two rounds a day since then, if that. I think I may have skipped one or two days just because it was crazy days. But, mm-hmm. you know, I don't have the fade pass right now. won't be getting it for another three days uh, when Erica comes out. So haven't finished it yet. Mm-hmm. Should have enough time after I get it to finish. So. Yeah. But. I, uh, I, I've been enjoying it. I've been enjoying the forging bonds. Um, what I haven't done yet is, uh, get a hold of our little traveling peddler, uh, George. Yeah, I need to hop in and do that too. But yes, George, the traveling peddler arriving amidst, a, arriving amidst a cloud of suspicious circumstances from the Telia schemes come from, comes the NBC merchant, George. He wields a special weapon called the Daniel Made Bow, which produces special count and gives allies in uh, within two spaces an attack boost during combat while debuffing enemies 
within those two spaces during combat. Uh, both those, that buff and debuff, both being five points. Uh, as a Grand Hero Battle Unit, he does not have any new skills, but does have Ignis, Chill Defense, and Attack Opening, with Attack Opening being fully unlockable at four stars. Nice. So, did you uh, see F- PM1's video or hear about the suspicious circumstances around George? No. No, I didn't. So, uh, fill me in on that. So, George in year one got about 50 votes. Okay. Year two, he got about 21 votes. Last year, he got about 1,500 votes, and this year, he got 6,000-some votes to be number 12 on the men's side. Huh. And yet, many people, like you and me, had never heard of George. So there was someone who said he had written a code to be able to spam votes through various IPs and stuff. Maybe VPN-type things or whatever. And it appears that that may be how George got his 12th place on the men's side. But thing. It may not be accurate. may not have actually happened. Maybe mysteriously for no reason whatsoever George got a boost in popularity but considering the numbers from year one and going down in year two definitely seems suspicious hmm. so do you think someone there's like just a underground campaign to have George be in the game and now he is and everyone's happy <laughs> uh, if anything hopefully not Hopefully this is not the case, but it, if anything, it kind of feels like someone was testing something out. It worked. I asked him, doesn't seem to have reacted to and stopped it. So he might use it to get someone else, you know, high up where they normally would not be. Hmm. So. Well, he's here now and uh, they've yep. created a precedent, right? Yeah, hopefully, hopefully, it, you know, either I asked saw this and has figured out a way to stop it or it's not actually what's going on and somehow George just suddenly got very popular without being a meme like Reinhardt or some of the other characters let's move into the Outrealm gate and head into game club let's talk about Fire Emblem Three Houses Cindered Shadows Chapter 4 and I'm going to give you a rundown of what happened and then we're going to discuss it as we normally do so no surprises there Having successfully retrieved the Chalice of Beginnings, the Ashen Wolves and the Officers Academy students regroup back in the tunnels under Garrick Mach, but they are pursued by another golem. Happy thinks they should just throw the column or the, the column, the Chalice back to it and be done with it, but the others don't want to go back out after uh, getting so far. Or sorry, don't want to back out before getting so far. Yuri has a plan to use the heavy gates in Abyss to stop their pursuers. While running through the underground, opening and closing the gates behind them, bandits appear in front of their path and demand them to hand over the treasure. Upon reaching safety and making their way back to Abyss, they are not granted the rest they so desperately crave, for Cardinal Alfric has been kidnapped. Dun dun dun. A ransom note is found telling the team to meet at the ruins of the old chapel with the chalice, or else. Dun dun dun. So... This was what we talked about last week in that this is a direct continuation of Chapter 3. There's no in-between abyss. It goes right from battle to battle. But you do get... You um, don't even get to reset your Sword of the Creator. No. If I recall correctly. Uh, Yeah, I think you're right. That would make sense. So... Yep. 
Your other and, skills reset, but the sword doesn't reset like it has every other chapter. No. I think it resets at the end of this chapter. Yeah. So. And uh, so you do get you do get to go to the abyss afterwards, but let's talk about the combat setup here in that you're given 10 turns to finish the map, or does it reset? So... It doesn't tell you this, but you have 10 turns before the gate closes. And that's just talking about the first gate. Once okay. you move your final character through that gate, that gate closes and the next gate opens up or it you get 10 turns to get to the next gate. So it resets you to 10 turns after the first gate closes. And then once you get through that second gate, it once again resets you to although this time it resets you to four turns to get everyone down that last area and uh, finish the map. So, did you happen to recognize this map? Uh, no, I did not recognize it. Should it's I the have? the map from Chapter 1, uh, with a bit more area to uh, the first section being an area we didn't fight in. But once we get through that first gate, we're in the area we were fighting in in Chapter 1. Huh. So they reused the map? Is that what you're yep. saying? Huh, I didn't recognize they it. Reused the map or used a portion that wasn't there plus what we had in the first chapter. But hmm. that open area where the golem appears guarding the lever is where you started out with your group in chapter one. Good stuff. Yeah. Well, I like that. Uh, it, well, I mean, it's not great, but it, but it, you know what? It felt. Here's the thing: it's like an inventive reuse of the map, and it was well done. I think. I yeah, I was just about to say. I, I agree. I think that even if it was reused, I didn't notice it as being reused. But honestly, now that yeah. you mention it, and I think back a little more clearly, yeah, yeah, that that is definitely the chapter one map, and you're kind of starting. I mean, yeah, you start at the top. You're working where you, your way down. The use of the gates was really interesting and i think uh, we talked a little bit about this last week in terms of the need to grind in in this expansion um obviously on the difficulty we're playing on not necessarily required but this was a map that you could potentially do a little extra grinding on um obviously i didn't i i booked it for the gates as quickly as possible they're like there's a couple you have sort to do a bit of grinding but it's kind of limited grinding. Yeah, because you are limited in the amount of turns you can take. So yeah, you got to be careful there. Uh, but it is one of those instances where there's some switches that you have to hit to open some of the gates because you're not only you're not only locked. So you have to open the gates to get through them, and then when you get when you get, bring all your characters through, they close behind you, and that basically disappears all of the enemies behind that gate um, that you've yeah. locked out. Uh, but sometimes so the switch, okay. no, yeah, I was just going to say sometimes the switch, like the first one is like, oh, it's, it's around the corner. And then the second switch is like right beside the enemies that spawn. Um, mm -hmm. So you kind of have to be a little strategic there, but I didn't get close enough to the golems that were chasing us to determine whether they were super powered. But I just, I, I kind of just assumed they were like all power, powerful beings, are are you? Did you end up fighting them? Are they like? Are they going to take no, a good chunk? No, I didn't fight them. I ran from them. Mm -hmm. Um, 
I don't remember if I tried to find them the first time I played through it or not, but, um, like, yeah, I didn't fight them. I ran. It was just easier to keep moving, you know. Uh, and you technically do not have to use the levers at all. You don't. The levers are a bit of a shortcut, but you can easily run everyone around the sides, you know. Uh, the gates that you need to get through are open from the start, and there are side paths. But the levers allow you to get through certain areas quicker and avoid extra enemies. Huh. Okay. Like, so, so you yeah, can traverse through section, it. Yep. The first section, I split up my... Um, I sent Dimitri, Happy, and Hilda off to the left and fought the enemies down that path, while I sent Ash down to the lever while um, Edelgard kept the three guys to the right when you start. Uh, three guys off to the right when you start distracted. And um, after Ash opened it, I used his lock touch to unlock the door so he could get through the gate easier without having to go up and around like other characters would have had to do. Uh, then once I get everyone through that, and the others just fought through the guys and came up the other mat, other side. Mm -hmm. uh, once I got through that first gate, I sent Claude over. Um, that uh, golem there just sits there until you hit the lever. Oh, okay. Uh, the turn after you hit the lever, that golem activates and the enemies start appearing. Uh, if you ignore that lever and go the long way around, I don't think that golem ever activates, or after four or five turns he activates. He gives you a chance to run away. Uh, but I use Claude, who could fly and move further than most most other characters, to fly over, start back, and he was able to get out of the range of the enemy units easily enough to activate that second level lever and shut off the longer roundabout path on the second area mm -hmm. yeah i was able to use the the shortcuts across the whole yeah. map and uh the bandits appearing didn't really cause much much concern for me i did yeah you, get, you got like bandits popping up every character you bring in yes yeah i so. noticed that and then they, but there were pretty much pushovers i think my i i think yeah. the difficulty where i'm playing on and i think you were playing on the same one is very much like experience the story it's not it's by no means easy but i mean as long as you're strategic and you keep your your weaker characters out of harm's way you're you're going to be fine yep um so, yeah, yeah. linhard is both my most useful and most worthless character in the same breath yeah he's level 22 where everyone else is 24 or 25 and up uh dimitri and byleth are both at level 30 or above byleth might be up above because everyone was bum rushing her and getting smacked down for it mm-hmm so. Yeah, I mean, for me, it's uh, yeah, it's been it, this game's been a lot of fun, and I really, I think this was one of my favorite maps because it was very much a go go go, but also a little more strategic with with the shortcut gates and stuff, and uh, it was short, so. short and sweet, I'll say. So, yeah, what are your thoughts on the story after we got back to Abyss? Uh so we get back to Abyss, and you're greeted by the fact that Alfric has been been kidnapped, and I'm like. I'm like, great. Like we leave, we leave and this happens. We go for the chalice and they kidnap Alfred. I, I think, I think Alfred's evil. 
<laughs> you know, like I'm, I'm getting the sense that he, uh, th- this is just, you know, stream of conscious here, but I, I'm now like you asked that question. I'm thinking, nah, he's gotta be evil, right? Like he wants to lure us away from abyss because we just, we just ended up using abyss to stop the golems coming after us. So I don't know, like, uh, but then they talk about the chalice being used to resurrect someone from the dead. I mean, we've got, I mean, We've got so a couple characters Alfred, that just lost if people. If Alfred is behind it, like you suspect, who does he want to resurrect? I don't know. That's a good question. I mean, I know good old Teach has a couple people he would probably like to resurrect. Like, I mean, we're... Is Gerald dead in at this time? I I can't remember if we... They don't... Uh, probably not. Probably not. Could be, but probably not, because the hair is not changed. Right. But they don't specify exactly when this is, so it very well could be, part of it could be during that month where Gerald has died, you know? But he, uh, you haven't found the enemies to go after. So, I mean, um, there are definitely some suspicious things, like how did these bandits know that you were going after the chalice or where to find you. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and what, what's this Cardinal stuff? Last we knew he was just part of the church. You know? Yeah. Uh, we did, met, did recall I... if they discussed that Cardinals are supposed to be hidden in this chapter or the start of the next chapter, but Cardinals are supposed to be secret. And yet they, these random bandits know that Alfred is a Cardinal. Oh, good call. So either someone who knows secrets about Alfric, or maybe, like you suggested, Alfric himself is behind it. I don't know, man. I don't know. I'll admit, at this this point, I had a similar thought process to you in the story. Okay. I know how it turns out, so I'm not going to say anything, but, or try not to say anything, you know, but I was thinking the same thing as you were at this point in the story. I mean, he's kind of so, creepy, right? But I mean, they kind of yeah. try to lean in on him being a good guy because obviously Abyss likes him. But then also he's giving you tidbits about your mother, which which um, automatically so, kind of brings you on 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 your good side. But there's just something so, off I mean, about him. I don't know. Using, you know, uh, what is it? Chekhov's gun. Uh, the chalice of on the chalice of beginnings. If Alfred is behind it, he wants to resurrect some. Yes, you know. So, and I'm trying to think of who he would want to resurrect outside of the original goddess, maybe, because that's what the maybe. original the original use was, right? Of the chalice was to. That was what the original rite of resurrection or whatever it was uh, was intending to. Who it was intending to resurrect. Maybe he wants to resurrect Nemesis. Ooh. Maybe. I don't know. I'm just throwing names out. I I don't actually I don't actually know. So. But uh yeah, anyways I mean, You also gotta think about it. Alfric's what? You're twenty one. I uh, don't know how old your mom was. You know, let's assume at least twenty, if not in her thirties. So he's what, forty to fifty years old, maybe sixty or seventy? Because he grew up in the monastery with your mother. Mm-hmm. You know, lifelong friends and stuff growing up together in the monastery. 
So he's not exactly old enough, and maybe he is devout enough to want to resurrect the goddess again. Yeah. Who knows? But uh, we will soon enough as we return to Game Club with Chapter 5 in just a few short weeks. Uh, Hope you're enjoying this series of Game Club. I know I am. It's, uh, as I say, every week. It's fun to be back playing Three Houses, man. I'm excited. Oh, yeah. But, uh, yeah, let's, uh, let's call it there. We've got a full show right all laid out for us. And if you want more great Summoner's Call content, you can visit us on the web at gamersinpodcast.com slash Faye. You can email the show, Faye at gamersinpodcast.com. Check out the Fire Emblem channel and the Gamers In Discord at bit.ly slash TGI Discord. That's where all the fun is happening. You can follow us on Twitter. You can find myself at rmurphy, Eddie at Drowfear, and don't forget to follow at the Gamers In for show updates. Be sure to check out serenesforce.net, our go-to resource for Fire Emblem news and information. It's going to do it for this episode of Summoner's Call. Have a great week and happy summoning. Mm-hmm.